Good morning. It's good to have each and every one out with us for our morning half of our worship service. And this morning's Bible reading, of course, was, well, scripture reading was Romans chapter 10. And Paul is trying to get a point across to the church in Rome. Now, the reason why I say the church in Rome, what's he saying? What's, there's, there's a lot of confusion in Romans chapter 10, and we don't want to use we, the... Those out there who are confusing Romans chapter 10 and using it not according to context, we need to remember something. Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to those who have already been immersed for the remission of sins. That's the reason why baptism is not there. Because I know there's a lot of folks out there saying, well, look here, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is ask him to come into your heart and then he's there. Whenever we remember the entirety of the Bible, we remember what sin and iniquity does. It separates us from God. It turns his eyes and his ears away from those who are lost. And one can only come to God through Christ. He says those things very plainly in John 14, 6. So how are you going to pray to God? How are you going to, how are you going to ask Him to come into you if you can't, Ask if you can't come in contact with. How are you going to do that? You can't. The reason why I'm saying this, when I, when I chose Romans chapter 10, there was a discussion that I was making with a certain individual. It was a while back, and it, it kind of pricked me wrong. And he was believing that he was already saved. And we had a stern uh, conversation about immersion, about the remission of sin, about staying faithful and repenting of your sins he understood several of those things but immersion did not is baptism essential for salvation yes it is period end of story now there's some discussion to be made while baptism is essential for salvation our scriptures refer to us as sinful people who were once dead in our trespasses and sin, God has now made alive, as we're going to cover in a little bit later in this lesson, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. But notice what he says in Romans chapter 10, whenever we read in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I agree to that state. If you have been immersed for the remission of sins. At which point were you saved? I know that question is, is, is arise and it's out there. And it's a wonderful question. But the answer varies. Should the answer vary? No, it should not. There is a specific instruction from God and specific answer from God's Word, that we are to answer that question, at which point am I saved? <clears throat> Can you be saved with sin in your heart? That is a no. We know that very plainly. For sin and iniquities, again, it separates us from our God. It causes death. It causes uh, disconnection. Again, when Paul was writing this, he was writing to those who are already in the church. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to confess the Lord Jesus? We do realize we're supposed to talk about Jesus out there in the world, do we not? 
Are we not supposed to talk to the world about who Christ is? Are we not supposed to be encouraging the lost to turn from their sins as someone encouraged you to turn away from your sins and here you sit this morning saved from your sins? And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Do you believe without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is no longer in the grave. There's a lot of religion out there in the world, and their originators, their constructors, the ones who started it, are dead in the grave. They're dead in the grave. They offer everlasting life, but they, therefore they can't achieve everlasting life themselves. Jesus has done this. We learn that Jesus died once for all. And he did a few more things as he was hung on that cross and as he died upon that cross as we make mention in Bible class this morning about the law of sin and death not according to faith has, done, has been done away with. But what are you saying here in Paul in, in verse 9? That all I can do is confess Jesus and believe and that, that God raised him from the dead and I'll be saved? That is not all what he is saying. It's implied that you're already in the church. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how important is it to talk about Jesus Christ? How important is it to confess our Lord and Savior? Yeah, I'm going to say it's essential for your salvation. Because in the absence of talking about Jesus in a lost and dying world, we're not doing our due diligence to go out into the world to teach those things Christ has already taught us to adhere to. The instructions that we are to do. So in Romans chapter 10, that's what I wanted to speak with uh, or, or say in, the, in the, the beginning of this lesson. To remember, baptism is essential for you have a connection to God. It's essential for your salvation. In the absence of it, well, you're lost. I know there's a, uh, there's a discussion out there about, uh, again, the point of, of, of salvation, or not salvation, the point of being saved. The point of being a child of God and having forgiven from your sins. A, a baptistry is, is new in the building. Way back when you had to go find some water and be immersed. The, the scenario was this with this conversation with this gentleman. Says, what, what, what if he agrees to change his mind and know that he's lost and he repents of his sins and on his way to baptism dies car crash or whatever he dies he don't make it to immersion and he asked me this question is he lost well I'm not the one to judge but the word says he is because immersion the remission of sin had not happened that person's going to die in their sins and he disagreed with that well, God's word is true. 
in the absence of remission of sins, you're still dead in your sins. Is, is God, does God's not word not teach us that? So we learn in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that we were all once dead in our trespasses and sins. Me included. We all at once in verse 2 walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That is according to the devil. But God allowed something to happen. God allowed something to happen that was unnecessary. I'm not going to say unnecessary evil. It wasn't evil. It was a wonderful act of righteousness what God allowed to or set in place in motion to happen and Jesus Christ fulfilled His duty. And you who were once dead in trespasses and sin has made alive. So now if we're, not, we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. Wait a minute, Romans chapter 10 says if we just confess with, with our mouth that, that Jesus is, is our Lord and Savior and we talk, talk to Him about people and we believe in our heart, we will be saved. Will be saved, right? A, a, a continuation. It doesn't, it doesn't say you are saved. Now does it? does not. It says you will be saved or shall be saved. But in the act of immersion, in the act of baptism, in the act of washing your sins away, leaving that dead child of Satan dead in the watery grave, raised up a new creature as we learn as we are raised up with Christ in our Bible class this morning, as we finished, well, we concluded this morning, not finished, but concluded this morning in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So a, a raise needed to happen, a, a, a resurrection, a, a change, a, a cleansing process needed to happen. The reason why I say a resurrection once dead in trespasses and sins, going from dead to alive means a change, does it not? It does. But thankfully, we had that opportunity. When I say we, I mean children of God. Thankfully, we made that choice to say, I don't want to be dead in my trespasses and sins, standing before my Father in judgment and be condemned. I don't want to have to endure that. Um, know that now uh, salvation means saved from the fall, and I don't want to fall. Once dead in trespasses and sins, now made alive, who we once walked according to the world, but now no longer. But now verse 4. Let's look at verse 4 and continue reading. But God who is rich in mercy because of His great love in which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. And I know there are folks out there in the world, take this verse and run with it. Oh, God's just going to save me because He has grace. By grace, I have been saved. And in our studies of the Word, and of course we have to take the entire Bible, grace without faith can't save you. 
Grace is there. Don't get me wrong. That grace is available. It's up to you and I as Christians to stay connected to that grace. For what's the wages of sin is dead. We need to remember that as well. So when we go out into our everyday walk of life and, we, and we're that person who we ought to be in the eyes of God, know that His grace is sufficient for you to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We need to remember those things. We receive encouragement with the knowledge of those things. Because as we are dead in our trespasses and sins, condemnation awaits us. I mean people, us. I don't mean Christians. Condemnation awaits those who are... the. I just lost my... Workers of Satan. Sons of disobedience. That's what I was trying to think of. Condemnation awaits those sons of disobedience. And the wrath of God awaits those exact same sons of disobedience. Why do you say disobedience? Why do you say, why do you say that thing? Why do, why do you use that particular word? Because you're either obedient to God's word or you're disobedient to God's word. We understand disobedience, right? We understand not doing the things your, your parents or those of your authority. or We understand disobedience, right? You know, the majority of us, of course not today because you're not supposed to do it anymore, the majority of us was reprimanded whenever we were disobedient to our parents. Were we not? How many received a whipping from your parents because you did not do whatever they said to do? You was disobedient and they corrected you. I'm in that group. Now today, are we thankful for that correction? You had better believe it. You had better believe that we're appreciative of that correction. God's word corrects us, corrects us today. And we study and we read and we find ourselves lacking and faulting. We make corrections. We repent of those things that's displeasing in the eyes of God. Because we want to rep we want to reprimand ourselves according to his word today, while it's still today. Again, tomorrow's not promised, and tomorrow your soul may be required of you. And standing before God in judgment and not having reprimanded yourself and to make changes and get right in the eyes of God, well, reprimand is going to happen in the shape, form, and fashion of a lake of fire. I want to be very clear on that. That this place is designed for Satan himself. Look how much damage the devil has done. Look at the world today that we live in. How much damage Satan has done. Just look at it. Death, destruction, disobedience. Folks going against Mankind's nature falling right back in the line of uh, Romans chapter 1. God looks at those things and I can just see him shaking his head. You ever, you ever been disgusted with something? You just look at it and just, just shake your head. I can see God doing that with people today who don't come to it. 
and under their own wants and wishes, do whatever they wish. We need to remember something wonderful. God's grace allows an escape, allows an escape for that scenario of hearing, depart from me. How, how terrifying is that? To know that there's only two judgments out there when you, when you stand before God. Depart from me or well done. And our scriptures reveal unto us that so many, so many are going to miss out on well done. And my mind goes to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. How terrifying is it to fall into the hands of the living God? It's a fearful thing, that passage of Scripture tells us. But His grace is there. And to know, as we learn in Romans chapter 7, that there is more grace than there is sin in the world. For as you and I today, in Romans chapter... No, it's 5, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5, as we learn that there is more God's grace and there is sin in the world. And Romans chapter 6 teaches that we have to die to sin. Can't live any longer in it. We died to it. So as we learn that God has more grace there is in the world, so we need to heed to what John says in his first epistle in 1 John chapter 2. Starting in verse 3. That was 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Of course, this is right after that John instructs the children of God that these things he writes to them, he writes to us, that we may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's our propitiation for our sins. He paid our sin debt, so we no longer have to be held accountable for those sins. We give them to God. We'll give them to Christ. We turn our backs to it and we turn our faces to God. Not ours, but guess who else's? Those abiding in sin. Those living how they want to. Those children of wrath have an opportunity to come to God's grace. The very thing that we're saved by today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. I want to reflect on this passage of scripture right here in verse four. This is someone who calls himself a Christian and does not look like Jesus Christ. Same scenario, same thing. Says they keep the commandments of God and does not keep them. You know what it means by the keeping God's commandments? It means to do them. You and I had better make sure that we're doing God's commandments. Because if we know that we're Him, we're going to do those commandments if, if we are in Him, just as Christ was in Him. In verse 5, but whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in him by this we know that we are in him verse 3 says by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments and in verse 5 
But whoever keeps the word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. All right. We do remember Jesus' prayer, right? For us to, for, to be one with Christ as, as Christ is one with the Father. That's what Jesus prayed for you. Future, future disciples. To continue to abide in Christ. That is to stay in. Continue to stay steadfast. Not turn your backs on Him. As so many do. Unfortunately, when the times get tough and the going gets hard, they quit. Don't quit. Have perseverance. Stay steadfast until then. Overcome. And that second death will not harm you. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Past tense. How did Jesus Christ walk this earth? What, what, what type of person was he? Was he, was he a turkey to everybody? Of course not. Did he help those in need? Yes, he did. Did he turn his back on those who was looking for him? No, he did not. I don't think he turned anybody away. He welcomed everyone that came unto him. How many folks did he do good for? We don't have enough room in the world to write all the things that Jesus did which were good. We don't have room. But these things that we're aware of, the things that were written down, are there for you to believe who Jesus really was. While he was still, he still exists, while he was still here upon this earth, for us to believe who he, what type of person he was, so we can mimic that lifestyle. So if you call yourself a child of God, you ought to be walking as Christ walked. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. You're very right, Brother Mark. That's wonderful characteristics to have, is it not? There's a lot of... Uh, when we go to funerals, you hear folks talking about who the person was and what type of lifestyle they lived. You can hear a lot of times, says, well, he was just a good person. He was just a, a good person. You, you call him up, well, he'd be there and I'll give you shirt off of his back. There's a lot of people out there who would do that. There's a lot of good-hearted people out there who have yet to come to the knowledge of the truth, that is, the Word, leading them to salvation. Just being a good person is not enough to achieve salvation, to achieve this promise. What type of life did Jesus live? He lived a life toward His Father, according to the instructions from His Father. To the letter, to the T, no jot, no tittle missed, to the letter. He was faithful unto death. When He breathed His last, He was faithful to His Father. So what was His reward? Was his reward cast out? Was his reward pain and suffering? Is that what his reward was? No, it was not. He allowed him to come back to his father. Keep in mind, folks, he was present when everything was created. He created it. He was the one that spoke it. He's the word. You mind my, what? 
And I know I didn't realize that. When you're learning this lesson, it did. He did. When you learn in uh, Genesis, when everything was spoken, God spoke it into existence. And then you find out John 1, the Gospel of John 1, that, wait a minute, Jesus was the Word. Then you got to go back and say, oh, was talking about Jesus the whole time. Yeah, he was. Look at what good Jesus has done. Do we see what, what he did, what he, has, what he has done, what he continues to do for us, what he's going to do for us on Judgment Day? But wait a minute. We see that term good. We don't have, we don't have the comprehension of the term good. We don't have it. Because Jesus did not recognize himself as good. He did not. He said the Father in heaven is good. But folks, we can live a righteous lifestyle. We can be instruments of righteousness. We're supposed to be instruments of righteousness. That is, our extensions, our members, our mind, our hands, our feet, our mouth, all should be for the glory of God. I asked earlier in this, earlier this morning, it was in Bible class, about escaping judgment. Remember how to do that? I say, escape judgment, that sounds awesome. I don't want to stand before God and be judged. Well, you're going to do that. It's the fear of being removed from that situation. You know how to do that? By judging yourself according to God's Word. According to Christ's life. Because if you're not walking according to Jesus, if you are wrongfully serving God, if you say that you're a child of God and you're not behaving like a child of God or behaving like Christ did, if you have faith only, all these things come to mind because there are so many who believe in this acts. They need to quit, come to the knowledge of the truth and turn from their sinful ways. Because how many is going to stand before God on judgment day and say, look at what I've done for you. We've cast out demons in your name, done many wonderful works in your name. Look at what we've done. <coughs> Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does my will, the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. Are we doing the will of the Father this morning? Are we living a life according to God? Have you judged yourself this morning and you find yourself lacking? You find yourself wearing sin and unrepented sin and needs forgiveness? Yes, it does. We need to turn away from that sin. Don't be like the one who we just read. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. Well, that person's a liar. And, and, and the truth is not in him. That's what John says in his first epistle. Chapter 2. Verse 4, he said that very thing. Make sure you're doing the commandments of God. Make sure you know that you're abiding in Him. Because we're about to sing a song of invitation to offer an encouragement. To encourage you to turn away from sin, turn away from iniquity, and come back to God. Because all of us in this audience who's about to sing this song has been immersed for the remission of sins. By grace you have been saved. We can lose that grace. We can fall away. It's a sad scenario, is it not? But therefore, if we sin knowingly, that sacrifice no longer exists. 
You might say, well, where's that found? Hebrews 10, 26. So make sure that sacrifice is there for you. To judge yourself according, to make those changes, to be right in the eyes of God. To walk just as Christ walked this earth. To mimic Him just as He commands us to. Do you need to do so? Let's come forward as we stand as we sing the song of invitation.